Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Well, how things going? Things are good. Yeah, things were real good. It, it was a nice break for uh, 4th of July. Um, I can't remember if we talked about it on here, but I was in Chicago uh, with my fam- family for a wedding, mm-hmm. and that was super fun. It was really fun seeing uh, my now six-month-old uh, around so many people, so much noise, so much activity. He was just like wide-eyed and amazed. Around. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. So. Yeah, it was great. It was a fun time. That's cool. Yeah. And you see you guys were there Friday to what Monday, right? Uh Friday to Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. We're we're dying. We were just hanging out with some friends last night and um we started planning, you know, oh, we should all go to Mexico together. Let's, you know, Let's do a Europe trip together. We're all just like dying to get out and, uh, and travel somewhere. So we've done some, you know, mini trips here and there, but uh, no like true serious travel quite yet. Um, at least like with other people as well. Like we went to Mexico for our anniversary back in February, but it was just us two, you know, so it's a little bit different. And so going to see family, I, I bet it was really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, we we paid a lot for the flights. Uh, everyone wants to travel right now, and it, it makes sense why. So uh, th- there's at least one uh, travel startup in the, I keep wanting to say earnest, but in the uh, Calm Fund portfolio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I know they had a really rough time during COVID, obviously, and uh, their founder... Uh, shout out to him because he's like he dealt with it so much better than I know I could have <laughs> um but yeah I think any anyone in the travel industry you know these next few months next probably couple of years uh is going to have business just booming I think yeah oh yeah I can't remember who it was but uh someone was saying that they um they they went to Hawaii and they ended up having to hitchhike because there is literally like not a single rental car available on the <laughs> island. And uh, like everywhere was booked. Every single like room, every car, every like excursion just completely booked. And, uh, and it was like months out too. And so it's just crazy. I think we're in like the the boom right now, obviously because things kind of just lifted and you know, there's like this glimmer of, of hope. Um, but, uh, even then, you know, it feels like, I don't really know if it's going to slow down, especially like those are like the early adopter people, you know, who are like, okay, I wouldn't be the first ones back to traveling, but we mm-hmm. haven't even hit like the rest of the world hitting like back to normal, you know, and like being feeling right. okay to like really travel and especially internationally too, like with vaccines, we were sort of the first one to like really roll out and hit some sort of critical mass. So it feels like it's just the beginning. Yeah, it really does. Are you there in was a, full on or go ahead? I was going to say, I was talking with another friend yesterday and um, he was saying that uh, if he was starting another business right now, he'd be starting one in, um, in like last mile logistics and delivery because also because of travel and COVID, all the 
you know, and then there was like the whole, like, um, there was the, was it the Suez Canal? And then there was, there was this thing in China as well. Like so much of like the, like shipping logistics stuff was like backed up. And then you have all the travel stuff on top of it. And, uh, he was like, man, you can charge an arm and a leg to businesses <sighs> to like, and like, you know, these big, big businesses, not like, you know, consumers, um, because there's such a huge need for like more arms and legs and wheels to just like deliver stuff to people. Uh, especially with all that stuff being ordered online too. Like it's just like this perfect mm-hmm. storm. That's wild. Yeah. It feels like, feels like things are booming right now. It's crazy. It's a boom. Someone else was saying it was like the, you know, early 1900s, there was uh, the world war, world war one. And like right after that, there was like the roaring twenties and some people are making some comparisons about, you know, COVID and now like roaring twenties <laughs> for, uh, for now. So maybe we'll see. That'd be great. I would love that. Yeah. As long as we can avoid the great depression part. Right. Right. Yeah. Right afterwards. <laughs> afterwards. Reach yeah. some sort of peak. Yeah. That would not be good. Yeah. How have you been? Are you, are you in full on summer mode or have you been able to get some work in? Man, you know what? I was trying to think back to the week before, like the week after we last recorded because last week was really a doozy. I think it was my, my, my least productive week accidentally <laughs> so far because, uh, Monday we, you know, observed and celebrated 4th of July on the 5th. Um, so I took the day off and sort of just chilled by the pool and read and just relaxed at my, at the in-laws and then Tuesday didn't get a lot done. I sort of was still in like relaxation mode. I was doing like a lot of like reading, but not a lot of like work, work, quote unquote. Wednesday, our dog got eye surgery. So we dropped him off early on. And then I sort of spent the day occupying my wife and took the day off mainly just to, you know, keep ourselves busy while he was, uh, while he was in the surgery. And then we picked him up and then we had to like keep him occupied and sort of tend to him. So Wednesday was all, Wednesday was all sort of occupied. And then Thursday, we got a notice from our property management that we had three days to get rid of the dog or they would start the eviction process. <laughs> and so, what? so, yeah. And so, um, basically what happened was that we, we've been there for four years, been paid in full on time. Every, we, we've never been, had like been a problem at all. No complaints. Um, I'd never even seen a property manager there before. I didn't even know who he was, what he looked like. And then two weeks ago, the property manager and the main guy showed up and he saw the dog. And, um, and then two weeks later, which was Thursday of last week, uh, dropped a notice on the door with the sort of formal three-day notice. So we're just like, oh my gosh. So then basically spent all day like researching what to do and like and looking at other apartments and like trying to figure out like calling friends and trying to figure out what to do because it was such a short turnaround time ended up getting our dog uh certified as an emotional support animal which technically allows them to stay but they can still actually like start the eviction process if they wanted to, even though like it might get shot down, like they could just go through that trouble and try to argue something. Um, so then I spent a whole bunch of time talking with lawyers, reaching out to lawyers, looking up like all sorts of like tenant defense laws and regulations and <laughs> rules. And uh, today 
finally found a lawyer and working with to get a letter from them. So today is like the third day of the notice as of this recording on Monday. And I'm um, going to send in my letter, the letter from a therapist about Remy or dog being an emotional support animal and a lawyer staying, stating, please do not, you know, challenge this at all, basically because of X, Y, and Z. So that's been a whole thing. Um, so yeah, that's crazy. yeah, I didn't get like literally anything done last week besides a little bit of work for Derek on Savvy Cal just to move things along. Um, but I, I, I couldn't even tell you like the week before that. I have no idea what it did. <laughs> yeah. Have you talked to her? Probably not, but you should talk to Corey Gwynn. Uh, he went through mm. this exact same situation really? with his dog in San Diego with a landlord. Okay. And eventually, I, I, I think he he did a, uh, you know, went through a similar process as you as far as the certification. And uh, eventually they were able to keep the dog and they didn't get evicted. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. I'll, I'll I'll talk to him. I'll ask him. Um, it's this whole thing, you know. You're like, oh, it was like perfect storm, you know. But just like really takes your eyes off the ball, and then like we were especially wondering like with the three day notice, like, geez, are we gonna have to like, right? Like one, like we don't we don't even want to get evicted because then it's like a whole thing on your record, and we'd rather. So we're like looking at places, we're scheduling tours just in case, you know, we have to like make like a you know really quick decision or something. We're also thinking like, geez, do we even want to stay here? But then like we're getting a pretty sweet deal where we are now. And so there's mm-hmm. that whole thing. And I had, I had uh, another friend who had gone through the same thing and, uh, and then they got their, their dog certified and, um, and they were fine with it, but it's just the, the thing like if, so our property manager is kind of a, a jerk. <laughs> and so I was like, normally if it was like an, if we had like a good relationship or like didn't really have a relationship, I probably wouldn't go through like the whole lawyer thing, but I had to like fight him on things in the past with like upkeep of our apartment and like a plumbing issue that like wasn't our fault, but he ended up, he wanted to charge us like 300 bucks. I was like, if anyone was going to be the guy to like challenge this and like actually put us through the ropes, we'd have to get legal defense and everything. Like, I just don't want to go through that. So trying to cover our bases yeah <laughs> it's a, yeah it's so funny because that, that's not exactly like Corey's situation like he had a landlord that was a jerk and uh, yeah wasn't happy with the dog and all of that so <sighs> it's so ridiculous too because like in the same sentence where they like you know where it says like no pets basically which we hadn't even given it a thought when we first moved in because we didn't have a dog and then how much other people in the complex have dogs. We, I just didn't even think about it. Um, and then we've been with them for three years and they haven't said anything. They're like never here. So I was just like, Oh, okay. They don't care. They're fine with it or they don't know. And it's not a big deal. But in the same sentence where it says no pets, it also says like no open flame devices or barbecues or like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like hangers to like dry your clothes or whatever. And, uh, and like, everyone in our complex has a barbecue, like literally right outside the door or on their patio. <laughs> People hang up their clothes on like the fence. It I was just like, it's yeah. so dumb because if you were here, you obviously would have seen all these other things and I don't see any other or hear about, we know our neighbors, we haven't heard anything else from them. So I was like, this is kind of dumb. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So that's the big thing. Um, in the midst of that, I've sort of, uh, 
I, I don't know. I feel I'm like trying to figure out the way, the best way to like frame it because I feel kind of weird about it. But the eye surgery was not cheap for the dog and mm. sort of in true bootstrapper fashion, I kind of wanted to do something that would just like give like a little revenue boost to like offset some of that cost. <laughs> so I think I'm going to offer another uh, landing page audit like I did back in December um, just for like a short, you know, I'll spend like a day doing the teardowns and audits, you know, maybe recover a third or half the cost of the surgery or something like that. Uh, mm. It was four grand. So it was like not fun to see that money go. And that's yeah. like a whole month of runway basically. So that's my, that's my next, like that's what I've been working on today in between other stuff. But that's the the big project in mind for this week. Okay. Well, remind me what, exactly did the landing page audits look like for, for someone, you know, that signed up for that? Yeah, it was basically uh pay what you want minimum 99 bucks. And then you get a video recording of me talking through and like giving like a live sort of audit. And then with like my notes and like actionable, here's what I'll change, add, remove, tweak ideas for people, copywriting suggestions, basically just like a DIY kit to revamp your landing page. Uh, it could be for your SaaS, for uh, digital products, um, or for services, whatever it is. Um, but it's kind of just like a, hey, you could spend five grand on a copywriter to like redo it for you, or like here's something that can help you do it yourself for much much cheaper. So that's the idea. It went pretty well last time. I only offered ten, and they sold out within like a few hours. So I don't know how many I want to do, or if we'll like turn it off later, but. Uh, yeah, I just want to do a several, maybe 10 or something again, uh, try to offset some of that cost. Yeah. Or, or four grand divided by whatever you charge for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. If, it'd be great if one person, uh, did four grand and then I could just, uh, you know, do the one tear down. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. I'd feel bad about charging that much. So. I'm guessing people pay, you know, 100, 200 bucks, something like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, to close the loop on one of the last updates, I wanted to do like a switch from like workshops to like doing a summit. I probably should have, you know, seen it coming, but like a lot of people are like in summer mode. And so, um, probably not going to happen until like September, October instead of like August, what I was thinking. So I think we're about kind of like switching gears. And again, when continuing that theme of like really focusing on like batching tasks and like really spending extended time on like a project at a time, just going to kind of move on from that idea and then start working on uh, building out the newsletters and then eventually, and then actually pretty soon getting to new course material, which I'm pretty stoked about. So That'll be kind of next in the docket. Nice. I've never really thought about the seasonality of education or like educational material. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine like January is very strong. And, you know, I know you've seen boosts in the past from like Black Friday, mm -hmm. but maybe summer is, is quite the lull. I think so a little bit. I think it's a little bit slower. I've been noticing kind of a downtrend a little bit uh, coming to the summer months, but yeah, I'm actually primarily focused mainly on like having things pretty ready for like a swipe files 2.0 idea by 
by Black Friday ish. Um, I'm actually even, I can get your thoughts on it, but I'm thinking sort of with this new direction of, uh, you know, really making the courses a stronger part of like a singular plan membership for spy files that, uh, I'll end up upping the price from 99 a year to 199 or 299. And then black Friday being like, this is like either like making that price change like right before then, and then like giving a discount for black Friday so they can get it at like the old price or discounted price or that being like black Friday being like the last time that you can like secure your price at, you know, 99 a year. And then it's going to go up to 199 or 299 to try to get like a decent flood of new members by then um, mm-hmm. with like kind of like this new offering of, Hey, now there's, you know, I don't know, three or four courses instead of the two. Also it's included in there and I'll also have some other content I'll be working on and stuff like that. But I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. D- didn't you do that in the past? Like pretty successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah. last, well, it, it was, uh, it was separate still, but even then like for black Friday, I got a lot of members on just like the, the base kind of pro membership and on the all access membership. So black Friday is, is great. Like regardless, but I'm hoping to like really make the most of it with this kind of change. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like you did something like this before where you raised the price, but then ran a deal oh. for the old price and it worked pretty well. I thought, uh, yes, I think, um, Yeah, I think when when I originally bundled the courses under Swipe Files, basically my offer was, um, hey, like here's the change. You know, these courses are now going to be offered under like the all access membership for Swipe Files. Uh, and also there's going to be some, I don't know if I did the pricing changes then, but it was basically like, because of that, here's like a super steep discount. And, um, and also there was like the season or like that was the first time that I offered uh, the limited window enrollment period. Um, so I think it was a combination that, that kind of did that. There's also, I think in March I did, uh, I switched the price from refactoring growth from, or no, from mental models for marketing from 199 to 299. And then I basically said, you know, Hey, I just switched it from 199 to 299, but you can secure the old price here with a hundred bucks off. Uh, just for this, you know, one week window and that worked pretty well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really cool way to do it. Yeah. So that's the thought of what I'm working towards. Um, but I'm also just pretty stoked to start working on course material again, do the updates, create some new courses and, uh, really lead with that and have it be more of a come for the content, stay for the community instead of like come for the community stay for the content. Maybe it's kind of like backwards. I don't know. Yeah. Awesome. Do you know what the next course is going to be? I think the next one is going to be around, uh, sort of, a this orb framework I've been working on. And I think actually what I'll do first is I'm going to do, um, like an hour long workshop just to kind of like do like a limited, um, I'll do it for swipe files members. And then, um, like for free, but basically it'll be, Hey, if you want to sign up for this workshop, sign up as a swipe out member. Um, 
and then use that to quite literally workshop and see like what the demand looks like for that kind of content and then flesh that out into like a full on course that I'll pre-record and then release all at once later. That's awesome. I love how you've developed this way to build like MVPs of courses or other <laughs> products that you've released. That's super cool. Yeah. Not a perfect process. I don't know if I've done it perfectly in the past, but definitely I think going forward, that's like the, the playbook I want to use. We were talking about with our creator mastermind as well. I think that's what a lot of people are, are doing to kind of validate their ideas. And I think it works well to really like test the waters before just like fully, you know, it's not like that. I mean, there's risk to like spending all that time on something that won't work out pretty well. I'm pretty sure that, you know, the course material is, is solid, but I, I think it's also just like a test of like how you sell it as well. And so you kind of get a couple ad bats at that before you really put your stamp on what it is and how you describe it, which also influences, you know, your launch results. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a good way to do it. It's uh, definitely easier. Cool. How has the yeah. creator mastermind been? And, uh, cause you've been doing that for what, like a month now? Yeah, I think we had our second or third meeting and I have another one coming up here again soon. And it's been really, really helpful. Uh, yeah. the organizers are do a really good job sort of like on the down low. So I won't talk too much about it, but, um, the people in it are exceptional and give really exceptional advice. I've already made a couple of good friendships from it. Um, and, and also definitely like, it's definitely that like safe place where I can share kind of those raw ideas of like what I'm thinking about in the moment for something like swipe files with people who also have similar models and businesses essentially. Right. So that that's the, the, the right type of people want feedback from. Yeah. That's awesome. What about yourself? What's new? What's it been like? Um, Oh, a lot is new. <laughs> a lot has changed in two weeks. So, uh, first off, personally, I joined a co-working space. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Yes. That has been great. Um, yeah, just really nice to have somewhere to go to just immediately gets me into work mode versus mm. being around the house. It's so easy to get distracted to, you know, go empty the dishwasher or do whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I've always struggled to work from home and, uh, have really benefited from having somewhere to go. So I can already tell like, in uh, let's see, it's, I, I joined last Wednesday. So it's been, I've been there four days now and, nice. uh, yeah, just been super productive while I've been there, which has been great. Wh which one is it? Which one do you end up going going with? Uh, Moniker Commons. Oh, cool. Yeah. Actually, my wife it's and I were cool. just talking about it because she was she was there today meeting with a friend, and then they had like a flat or a flyer I think in Moniker General, the coffee shop, and mm -hmm. um, she was like, "Oh, look at this," and I was like, "Oh, Chris was just telling me about it," <laughs> and um, and ironically, actually, I just talked to Ryan, the owner of the Moniker Group. Um, the other day, like really coincidentally, he's a really cool guy. And so, uh, he was talking about like sort of their vision for the space and like this whole, like, you know, combination of buildings and things they have in that area. And it's really cool. I might have to, uh, pay you a visit over there. Check it out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe he can hook you up with a good discount or deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> now that you're buddies. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
yeah, it's it's super cool. Uh, you know, obviously anyone who who's listening that's not from San Diego, uh, it's it's basically in this area where there's a whole lot of other stuff around, uh, a lot of restaurants. I actually joined a gym over there as well. So now, like in the morning, okay. I go to the gym, uh, wow. get my workout in, and then just like basically drive another minute over to the co-working space. So <laughs> it's, uh, is it in Liberty Station, the gym? Yeah, so it's like in that same complex. Oh, area. nice. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's like exactly what <laughs> you wanted, what you were talking about the other week. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like gym, restaurants, co-working space. You get free coffee at the coffee shop. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a bad deal. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's been really good for me as far as, like I said, productivity, but also just like mood and routine and all of that. Um, mm. So really been benefiting from that. Uh, the, the other big news is, uh, so speaking of talked about Corey Gwynn earlier, uh, <laughs> actually hired him to, uh, come work on JetBoost, which I'm really That's excited amazing. about. Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, as you know, he's like super talented product guy. He, he's, he's a really strong generalist as far as product development, design, uh, he's had his own startup in the past. So, you know, he knows marketing, he knows how to talk to customers. Um, so really he's, we've just started working together for a couple days now and he's like been a great sounding board. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to rethink the JetBoost experience a little bit as far mm-hmm. as how to continue to pr- improve the onboarding to, to make it easier to use, to, um, even rethink a lot of, uh, how like agencies and freelancers are getting value out of JetBoost today and how we can provide more value to them. Hmm. Um, so really starting to tackle what I feel like is some of the, the bigger picture questions with JetBoost and the roadmap going forward. Really exciting. That'd be uh, a great asset. Yeah. Yeah. Is someone who like, you know, I've known him for a, a couple of years now and w- it, he was always someone where I was like, Oh man, if I could get him to work on jet boost, that'd be amazing. And, uh, <laughs> the timing was, was right. So, uh, really, really excited to see what comes out of that. Stars have aligned finally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I will say the, it was interesting because uh, it also it it it's a pretty big shift for m- me and like my mindset because you know in some ways I feel like like things have been coasting along a little bit uh, you know the the revenues continue to grow fairly steadily um, it's it's past the point where it was like default alive where I felt you know comfortable with with where things were at uh, and now hiring someone like him who is not cheap. Um, <laughs> it, there, there was like a, a moment where after we signed the contract, then I had like a mini freak out of like, okay, we're kind of back to, you know, uh, I, th- I think Jordan Gall has talked about this where kind of oscillate between being profitable or, or quite profitable and then dipping into like break even or maybe even slightly not profitable. And mm-hmm. uh, so experiencing that for the first time and, and thinking like, all right, like now, now we have to make this work. Now we have to make this, uh, you know, we do need to continue to grow now and, uh, 
um, it's, it was like very scary at first, but now, you know, I've gotten over the fear and I'm like ready for the challenge. And, uh, mm. I think it's exciting now. It's kind of relit yeah, yeah. a fire under me a little bit. Right. Right. Cause you can't just sort of, uh, coast when everything's really, really comfortable and you have all that margin. But then actually when you start straddling profitability again, then you feel the pressure and it's sort of is the right. fire under your butt a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, is uh, I'm I'm looking forward to you know seeing where we can take it and uh, hopefully moving a lot faster, getting updates faster. I mean, I've been so conservative with JetBoost, and obviously being a, a first-time founder, that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's starting to feel like, all right, let's let's take some bigger swings, let's take some bigger risks, and you know, it almost feels like we're doing a disservice to the Webflow community uh, and, and customer base if we don't try to take some bigger risks and, and do mm. more uh, given the position that we're in right now. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to think about it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. La- last week was, I think, the least amount of individual contributor time I've had. So most of my days I was just like, Whoa, I'm, you know, spent a lot of time onboarding, uh, and doing calls with Corey. I was reviewing, uh, pull requests from Sir Wedge and, uh, doing some QA testing there and whatnot and trying to get a new feature out the door that he's been working on. Uh, and then of course, continuing to do support stuff with Noah. So, uh, it's, it's like kind of weird. It's very different from, you know, where, what, what I was doing six months ago, but, uh, it's, it's fun too, to start to feel like there's a lot happening here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you're really moving into, uh, to manager mode and, um, (laughs) and out of, out of maker mode, you got the, the manager schedule. Although, you know, what's interesting. I don't know if you, if you had thought about this or, um, or even heard of this in particular, but someone the other day on another podcast, which I can never remember, but um, because there's so many to listen to, they were talking about how Jason Cohen of, um, gosh, now I'm blanking on the WordPress uh, hosting WP Engine. So he had, he had started WP Engine, then it started like taking off, then he raised a little bit of money. And then basically he had like, delegated like the entire company like elsewhere, especially after I think they raised like a huge amount of money, like $200 million or something like that and um, became like a unicorn. But he basically like, I always thought he was just like the CEO, but apparently not. He's like, he's basically like removed himself, but he still works and he like acts as like an individual contributor on just like whatever he wants to. But then like all the like core functions of like, managers and makers are already like covered. Like there's a CEO, a CTO, et cetera. I'm pretty sure he's just like made his own role now. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I didn't really think like realize that was like an option. You know, you just sort of like replace yourself and then you can be a manager or a maker or like whatever you want to, I guess. Yeah. That is a really cool option. I've been thinking about this a lot because I feel like I'm not the greatest operator 
and I, I don't even know exactly how to define that, but like that's the skill set that I think I am weaker on, uh, which I, I guess basically like organization, um, you know, documentation, processes, like putting all of that together is definitely not a strong suit for me. I just like mm-hmm. would rather work in chaos and <laughs> a lot of times to my detriment. Uh, <laughs> like it took me a long time to, <laughs> I used to like write every single support response by hand every single time mm-hmm. uh, rather right, than right. saving responses. Yeah. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been trying to think like it's it's kind of along the lines of how sometimes people, I think kind of like Jason, uh, eventually hire a CEO to replace themselves or just to not be the CEO themselves. Um, like, I wonder if there's something similar. I, I really haven't defined it yet in my mind, but like, I, I feel like I need help on the process side mm. and I don't exactly know what that role looks like, especially at, uh, you know, at a company as small as JetBoost. Like, it's not like we need like a COO, um, but. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I've, I've sort of thought that too. I can't really tell where I'm at because I feel like it's too early for me to really, it's kind of all conjecture because I haven't really like been in that seat before. Uh, it reminds me of, um, so Ryan Dice started uh, digitalmarketer.com. Now he has Scalable which is a little bit more about like company building. And um, he has this blog post called the four uh, very different founder types. And you can think of it as a matrix. I'll have a link to it so you can like see it. But basically, you know, for you, for Chris, uh, there's like this matrix, you know, um, two by two. And like on the X axis, there's like early stage, late stage. And then like vertically, it's like vision strategy. And then like the lower ones, operations and tactics. And so it kind of plays like, okay, what combination is like this person best fit for? And so like top left, there's a mentor, top right, there's guide, bottom left, there's driver and like bottom right, there's manager. And, um, it sort of makes sense because I think to, to like start something, start something from scratch, you have to have like a certain type of like personality and aptitude and, you have to be sort of like the, the inventor slash driver, um, where you, you start from scratch, you have like some sort of vision and you have like just enough chops to like start scaling beyond yourself, but you're not really like a scaler, if that makes sense. Um, and then Mm -hmm. the other side you get like, you know, the guide and the manager where it's very much like, company building and culture building and like fundraising and, you know, operations. That's where you get to like, you know, COO, CEO, truly kind of stuff. Um, it also reminds me, you know, uh, Alex McCaw of, um, Clearbit and then he moved on and then oh, yeah. now he started this new one called reflect, which is like a writing app. And, um, and basically like now the company is like not venture backed. It's like an LLC. He like works on it all alone by himself essentially. And he's basically just optimizing for like a lifestyle business because he wanted to get back to like, just like that early stage tactical stuff, you know, like he's very much just like the inventor driver 
Um, not so much like the guide manager, which was what was needed for Clearbit, like a clearly scaling VC backed company. Um, but all that to say, you know, maybe there's like a Jason Cohen type of middle point where you don't necessarily need to like leave the company if you don't want to, but you can hire out people like to cover the strengths that you don't necessarily have or, or want to do, but you still have a valuable like thing there. You know, you become like the mm-hmm. entrepreneur of your own company. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something about that. That is interesting to me. I think I'm at the stage right now where everything as far as uh, on the manager side and hiring and all of that, it's all so new to me that it's really difficult, but it's also interesting enough where I'm like, Oh, this is kind of fun to learn and, you Mm. know, experiment with. And there, there there've definitely been some things that have not gone well. Um, but it's like every time something like that happens, you learn from it. And, you know, I look at where I'm at today versus the beginning of the year. And, uh, I feel like I have learned a lot in the last six months. So that part is still interesting to me. But yeah, I wonder long term, like, is that really where I want my focus to be? You know, at least historically it hasn't been. Uh, and some people certainly evolve. Like it's it's crazy to me to look at, you know, I guess the one of the signature examples is like Mark Zuckerberg going from, <laughs> you know, college kid inventor type role, like you said, like driver to uh, now CEO of a multinational mega tech company like that's obviously a very different role in in skill set oh, yeah. and mindset uh even looking at vlad uh, founder of webflow and, and now ceo mm-hmm. like he was a he was a developer and uh started webflow with two other people and you know now he doesn't write code anymore he he manages the entire company so yeah. that evolution is clearly possible but um yeah, I don't know if I see myself <laughs> doing that long term. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's sort of an open question. I think it's all about, yeah, I mean, it's such a delicate thing to just like figure out the balance between like what the company needs and like what you want to do. It's such a, a tough thing to kind of straddle. Yeah. Definitely art more than science. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Anything else uh, new on your end or um, uh, updates on, on JetBoost? Uh, one other update. This just happened like five minutes before we started recording. Uh, Webflow is adding or has added JetBoost to their case studies page, Ooh. which is exciting. Uh, like, uh, I guess the JetBoost filters, like they're actually using JetBoost. Wow. Um, so... I don't know if this is a new page or if they've just recently added JetBoost to it, but I had, uh, they reached out to me because, uh, they were having an issue with, uh, the setup. There was like something that was slightly off. Um, Hmm. but it made me think we've had this discussion in the past because they've used JetBoost on other pages and, uh, you have encouraged me to try to get them to add a powered by JetBoost link. (laughs) Uh, so I, I'm going to, try to push on that now 
uh, <laughs> after we get off this call and see if I can get that. Cause I think it's a, like the case it. studies page is like pretty main page. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be I mean, cool. nothing really to lose, right? You already have yeah. a good relationship, you know, them. they're using you. So you might as well, yeah. there's no, no downside, but be huge upside if, if you can potentially, who knows? Yeah. Still, it's like, it still blows my mind to see like in the URL bar, webflow.com. And then there's like JetBoost <laughs> on the page. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Yeah. Really weird. Did, um, yeah. was that a separate thread or something you were working through on being able to use like customer logos? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I've, I've thought about this in fact, I've, yeah, I've never changed the customer logos that are on the JetBoost homepage, uh, which was like basically three of the first, I don't know, six or seven customers. Uh, I've got Hey Marketers on there, which doesn't even use JetBoost anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, it could definitely use uh, some updating. And yeah, there are a lot of like surprisingly large companies right now using it uh, because they're using Webflow. Hmm. There, there's one that I just found the other day. I always feel weird about saying customer names. Like it seems like you're not supposed to, um, <laughs> they're using it for their careers page. And this is like a massive company that everyone's mm. heard of. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, I'm like, I, I want to put these things on there, I, I guess. So there's two ways that people go about it from what I've seen, uh, and, and talk to others, which is number one, you just have something in your terms of service that says like, we're allowed to use your logo on our landing page and, uh, whatever. I don't necessarily have that. Uh, in the past I've tried to reach out to companies. Uh, I reached out to one fairly large company in the earlier days and they said no. Um, mm. <laughs> so right. since then I, I really haven't done that. Uh, part of me wants to just like throw the logos on and see what happens, but I don't know. I also wonder how much logos really matter. Yeah. I, as a marketer, obviously I have to give the uh, obligatory, <laughs> as, you know, as much social proof as, as you can get, the better, yeah. um, you know, hard to like substantiate data wise, you know, and like really get the evidence for like, okay, how much, like for each additional logo, how much does the conversion rate go up by or whatever. Uh, but you know, you might as well, especially if it's like a, you know, revamp, you might as well just kind of like go through the process. There's maybe a, a third option. I don't know if you saw this tweet from uh, April Dunford. Pretty genius, but uh, it's actually Ben Ben Ornstein from Tuple. He tweeted. He was like, kind of annoyed. I can't tell you about the comp companies that you have uh, extremely heard of that are purchasing Tuple subscriptions. And then she mm -hmm. retweeted and said, um, uh, basically, what you do is you give them an award. Everyone wants an award. Companies display them. Execs love them. Marketing loves them your buyer just won development innovators of the year. <laughs> Nobody will say no to the press release case study, et cetera, that goes with that. Everyone wins. And, um, so maybe there's something around, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's gray area for sure. But if you really wanted to get some of those logos from the bigger companies, especially, you know, you could have a, a top, careers page award or top, you know what I mean? Like just like make one up and then like have like a carved out section, like maybe like a featured customers section on the page or, or on the, on the mm. website or something. And then that gives you 
an easy excuse to use the logo. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of a creative, creative solution. <laughs> that is, I like that. You can give them, you've won the most page views award based right. on our API <laughs> data. <laughs> you've won the largest customer award. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. The, the gives us the most money award. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to follow up with you on that next time and uh, see what happens. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. I've got uh, one question for you uh-huh. and also a listener question we have. Um, Dope. Let's do it. So my question for you is, I'm curious how things have been going with the uh, the VA that you hired. Because mm. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of exploring that as like a potential solution for some of the operational stuff. Uh, as far as just like, I struggle with following up with people, with leaving things on my to-do list for forever. And um, yeah, so I'm curious how that's going. Yeah, I think um, I think the interesting part about OVA is that, uh, you know, half of, there's, there's like this whole like category of things that like, oh, you just don't have to do anymore. And those are pretty magical and I love it. And it's hard to like really put like a price on that. It's like, well, you know, I don't have to do it. So like you kind of just like get your time back and you can, quantify, you know, whatever your hourly rate is that you want to as, you know, how much ROI you're getting out of those kinds of tasks that are off your plate now. And then there's like a whole other set of tasks that like still you're involved in that they need your input on or either that they're just sort of like assisting in the process that helps, but it still doesn't like completely, you know, like get rid of. And, um, and it's also like an extra layer of complexity, I think to a certain degree. So what I found is that there's, there's like, I'm trying to like add more and more of the, the first type of tasks that are like, I can just completely get this off my task to my VA, Eliza, shout out to her. Um, and she's been doing great on those. It's like one of my favorite things now. Um, she does like all the podcast research for each one of the guests that I interview for everything's marketing. And I love it because I just like click all the links. I find all the tweets that she highlighted click on the articles that she highlighted. And then like within like 10 minutes, I have like all the questions. Whereas before it would take me like half an hour just to like put together all the research then to go and like build the questions off of. So that mm. was like entirely been streamlined. And I used to like not look forward to that process of like doing the research because it's not really like doing the research. It's, it's mainly like gathering the research is more sort of like what it is. So I'm trying to add more of those things to on our plate, like, um, working with, uh, like, uh, guest scheduling definitely has been another big one. Um, AMAs for the community think tank Thursday is what we're working through right now. Uh, we were going to do a virtual summit, although a lot of people can't. So we're probably going to push that off a little bit. Um, I think it's just cause it's summertime kind of stuff doesn't work. People's schedules out of town and stuff like that. Um, uh, what are some of the other ones? Um, so I'm trying to add to that. And then there's now it definitely forces you to create more of those like SOPs and systems and functions. Cause like mm-hmm. right before this, I was talking with her, I was like, okay, like one of the things I want to do is I want to, I want to make a, a database of like all the guest posts I've ever written for other people and all the podcasts I've been on as a guest. And that way I can like repurpose, repurpose that content. I can also just like list it on the site. And like, maybe there's something interesting there as well. I just like want to have like a, a running list. 
and um she was like cool how do i do that i was like oh yeah <laughs> like i need to <laughs> i need to like tell you it's like not an obvious thing so it's like you know not super hard i can use something like a you know a zip message or a loom or or whatever um or just like write it out in ClickUp. um mm-hmm. but then like that'll be off my plate too and that'll be really nice just to like i don't have to do that that'll be super time consuming for me I have to put like a, some initial, you know, probably take me like 45 minutes to an hour to like put together the instructions if I really want to do a thorough job or I take me like 15, 30 minutes just to like, this will get you started. Ask me questions if this doesn't make sense. But I, I really, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been a huge lift for me, especially just like getting things I don't like doing off my plate is like a productivity mm-hmm. game. Cause then I just get to do more things I like to do. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't really, you know, especially having one now, I, I sort of avoid the like ROI kind of conversation. Yeah. It's more just like, you know, you can't really put a price on it. It's just like, does this help you or not? Is it reasonable or not? Like, cool. You should do it. If so, and like, you know, you don't have to get too scientific about it. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, totally. No, think of it, like you said, if it provides you personal happiness and satisfaction, then whether or not it saves you, you know, X dollars per hour, it's probably not the right question. Right, right. And I think the point that I'd like to get to is that, um, like we have a, like a weekly sync. And what I'd like to get to is basically to like, not look at my inbox and like a couple of other things at all until that weekly sync where then like, I'm kind of like taking a tour through it and then I can just like quickly give like, okay, here's what we do for this. Here's what we do for that. Do this, do that. Um, remind me to do this by this date. And then, and then like, I don't have to worry about it un- until that like 30 minute meeting every week rather than like mm-hmm. me checking in every day, figuring out like, is there something I need to do or have my eyes on or like just like checking and, um, and like snooping around my own to do like my own task manager. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, you want to do the, the listener question? I believe it's for you, right? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we can splice in the audio. Yep. Splice it in right now. Cool. So yeah, the question is from Noah Bragg, uh, who his startup is a uh, potion dot. So, which lets you turn, uh, notion docs into custom, uh, websites basically. And so his question, well, we'll play the audio, but, um, basically talking about, you know, he's, he's found some product market fit. He's got customers coming in the door, um, pretty rapidly. I think it's actually growing quite faster than Jetboost was in the early days. Uh, and so he's asking about dealing with the chaos in the early days when you don't have much process and, uh, <laughs> sort of, uh, I was getting a little jealous reminiscing about, I, I loved those times of, uh, just getting things off the ground and it was chaotic and it was fun too. Uh, but I think for me and what I did with Jetboost was I focused really heavily on 
in some ways it was simpler in those days as far as like what is the next problem what is the main problem that we need to solve right now uh so JetBoost uh, and Potion, I think, are similar in the fact that like there were people signing up somewhat organically. Uh, so trying to find a specific marketing channel or uh, customer acquisition in the early days was like not the main problem. Uh, the main problem for JetBoost was it was pretty complex and still is to set up uh, something in your Webflow project using a product that's outside of Webflow. Uh, and I think Noah might have some similar challenges with Potion where uh, I know he's talked in the past about how, I guess there's a pretty tricky step involved with like setting up DNS uh, or something like that. So what I did in the early days with JetBoost was like, okay, we need to focus on uh, how do I make the product easier to use? How do I get more people to, uh, Activate, which was basically, you know, uh, an activated customer or an activated user was someone who was able to successfully install JetBoost uh, in their Webflow project. So, like, all I focused on was activation and, uh, you know, first building reports to see what the the journey to that step looked like. Um, and then once I had some data to look at, even though the numbers were still small, it was helpful to like have those benchmarks. Uh, and then it was just working on the product. Uh, it, I went through three different redesigns of the onboarding flow in the first four months, uh, which looking back on it sounds like a lot, but it was, it was totally necessary because um, so many people were dropping off and finding it confusing. And uh, I spent, I spent about a month working on the second iteration, uh, showed it to some customers. People seemed to like it, but then once I put it out there, like activation plummeted, I had a customer tell me this is like basically horrible, um, but they helped me redesign it all. And that was super useful to listen to. Like it was a really hard pill to swallow to throw away like basically all the code I'd worked on for the last month. Uh, and this is in like month four of, of JetBoost. Um, but I did that and ultimately like ended up releasing the version. That's basically what we have today. Uh, and you know, a month later, uh, an event took place that was like somewhat outside of my control. Um, but it brought a lot of new customers into JetBoost and brought a lot of awareness into JetBoost. And because the product was at the point now where it was so much smoother to onboard, now we were ready to actually take on more of these, um, you know, people who signed up and, and tried it out. So yeah, I guess my advice in, in the early days is just figure out what is your main problem in your funnel from acquisition all the way to, uh, you know, uh, paying customers as, as well as even I would consider retention as well. Um, and so whatever your biggest problem is in that funnel, like that's just what I would focus on over and over until it's you know, where you want it to be. If I can chime in, uh, I think I saw, um, Ryan from uh, magic Salesbot, which I believe is a com fund company, mm -hmm. um, tweet about something like this where he was kind of just like, I wanted to like automate and sort of 
like remove a lot of the like manual stuff I was doing that was like super chaotic, but instead he sort of like flipped it on his head and was like, Nope, I'm just going to like offer like onboarding calls to every single customer and like <laughs> sort of just embrace the chaos a bit. And, um, and then that in turn, you know, actually allows you to, uh, automate and sort of like fix like the root problems that are like causing some of the chaos. So okay, I can't speak too much from experience here, but it sounds like one of the sort of like patterns and best practices is like, don't just snuff out kind of the chaos and like ignore it and try to like get rid of it, but like actually like embrace it and like get to the root of it. And then it'll sort of work itself out into some, some order. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like taking as many customer uh, calls or, or chats as you can and, uh, onboarding customers personally and seeing where they get stuck and, um, you know, so many, uh, so many of the critical features that JetBoost is now built upon, uh, came out of conversations in the early days where, you know, a customer was like, uh, you know, I, I'm searching this one list, but how come I can't search two lists on the page at the same time? And it was like, I never imagined anyone would want to do that, but now that you're saying it, like that makes a lot of sense. And that's like, that's a pretty significant change from the way the product's built right now. Like it assumes mm. you're only ever going to have one list on the page. Uh, and so being able to discover those learnings early on when you can make big shifts in the product and not, uh, have to worry about affecting too many customers. Um, yeah, I think that's just taking advantage of, of the chaos, like you said, is, uh, is really useful in the early days. Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. I love that one. Yeah. Thanks. Noah. Great question. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else top of mind before we wrap it up? No, it's good to catch up again after two weeks. Absolutely. Well, we'll have as many of the, uh, links and mentions in the show notes as we can remember. Um, if you have a question for us, if you want to be featured, we'll have your, uh, we'll have a little shout out for you and play your audio. If you want to record it, um, you can go to the ask us a question link powered by a zip message, which has been a lot of fun. I actually just upgraded my account today to a, a paid plan. So I'm going to use that oh, nice. for, um, the landing page audits, uh, make it a little bit easier and, um, otherwise we'll see you next time.